I'm going to actually use this similar verse today. And um, it was a, a proverb that was um, kind of in my thoughts and prayers as we were thinking about this, as I was thinking and preparing about for this wisdom series that we've been in. We've been in a series on wisdom called Grounded. And um, the idea of being grounded for, for the life God has in store for us, that God uh, does not just get involved in our lives for eternity's sake, but that eternity starts when we come to know Christ. And he has purpose and desire and vision for our lives in the here and now. As Jesus prayed that God's will, his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. And that's been our desire throughout this series. And, and today as we read this verse, you know, it's easy to read um, this verse with only parents and kids in mind. But chapter 22, verse 6 actually gives us wisdom about wisdom. It gives us some wisdom about how to grow in wisdom. It gives us a way to ground ourselves in wisdom and grow in wisdom. And obviously, in four weeks, it's tough to hit all five wisdom books in the Bible or all the, the verses we can find in Proverbs or take rabbit holes uh, in, certain, um, you know, in certain aspects of life that the Proverbs speak about. We tried to highlight in a broad way because the hope for this series of last month has really been to grow our appreciation and our desire for the wisdom literature in the scripture, these five books in our, in our Bible, and really an appreciation and desire for God's wisdom to grow. But it's not enough just to get wisdom, which we talked about a few weeks ago. The, the Proverbs call us to gain wisdom, to seek after wisdom. We have to want it. Not just get it, but want it, desire it. It's not enough to know that God is wise, that God is all-powerful and all-knowing, and that all wisdom comes from him. We have to love him enough, trust him enough, like we talked about last week. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean out on your own understanding. We have to trust him enough to want his wisdom. In the last few weeks, I hope whet our appetite to hunger for God's wisdom. So we, each of us, get in, you know, read the Proverbs and allow the Holy Spirit to, 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 to highlight a couple of Proverbs where we need to put to memory or you know, to our minds and hearts so wisdom enters our hearts. And the last few weeks would have whet our appetite to hunger for God's wisdom so we search and discover it for ourselves. That's, that's, that was the hope for this series. It wasn't to you know, get into every facet of all the wisdom literature. That would have been impossible. But I think sometimes, rather than just picking up a topic, I, I wanted us to, I hope that, that, that by God's spirit, we would grow in exp- real appreciation and desire for his wisdom in the scriptures. And here, this verse, Proverbs 22.6, I think gives us some wisdom about wisdom. And it, and it says this, and I have two versions of it. The first version in the NIV says, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Now that verse is, you know, it'll be normally used um, to, as, as it's kind of like even grammatically laid out, you know, it's like we are called to start children off in the way they should go, or people, or a group. It's almost like an activity that someone is supposed to do, or parents, or a community. And as much as uh, I would love to talk about how we as a church community um, would train each other up in wisdom, I think there's something that we need to consider before that happens. And I want to flip the verse in a sense and, and kind of like if we're going to be a church community, a people that trains each other in wisdom, that helps each other grow in wisdom, we need to become people who grow in wisdom, right? 
We need to become people who train up in wisdom. And so here, here's the second version of this from, the, from another translation, the, the ESV. It says, and this is what some people might traditionally know this verse as, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And that word train up is interesting. It's, it's, a, it's a verb. It's, it's to initiate. It's to start. It's to propel something or nurture towards a direction. In fact, in the original Hebrew, that word is normally been used in a, in a sense of dedicating. You know, I'm de- just like Alain and Jessica dedicated Amelia to the Lord today. But dedicate doesn't have the, the umph that the, that the verb, the activity of training up does, right? And so only here in Proverbs 22.6, in the Old Testament, is the Hebrew nuance of the word have a more active idea to it, have a more active presence to it. It's active, it's, pers- it's purposeful, it's intentional. In fact, this is kind of interesting, and, and some of the kids here who, are, who still, they don't, probably don't remember this, no kid really remembers this, but this is the, the Hebrew culture use of the word. It was like a midwife in ancient times when a baby was born and a little infant would uh, take her fingers and rub the gums of the newborn baby with oil so that baby would begin to, to suck for milk, you know? So we have elementary school kids today. I don't know if you guys remember drinking from the bottle or from your mom, but imagine just kind of oil being put all over your gums or something like that, you know? I had to get vivid for the kids today. They're here, but we'll move on from that. Maybe that's just a, you know, they're like, I forget that era. I don't want to remember that era. But, here, but this, this is the word. This is what it means. The word is like a, a woman, you know, just rubbing a little baby's gums with oil so this baby learns how to eat. So this baby starts to eat and drink and move forward. The idea is training a child in how to find nourishment, in how to find nourishment so they can grow. The modern equivalent of that is like table manners, this idea where you learn how to live in the real world. And when you learn table manners or you learn how to interact with people and you learn how to eat in your culture and different cultures, it prepares you for how to be a person in the world in a broader sense. And my, my dad, when he moved from Canada, from, this, from Italy to, to Canada, in the early 60s, late 50s, he was 20 years old, and um, he sat down for the first time at a Canadian table, not as Italian friends in kind of like what was College Street, Toronto at the time. He sat around a Canadian table, and so as he's sitting around the table, he ate their first soup or something, and they asked him, would you like more? And he said, no, 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 thank you, I don't want more. And they brought something else on the table, and they're like, would you want more of that? He said, no. But my dad was hungry. He, but he said no, because in Italian culture, you say no four times before they, they, they're still going to stuff your face, right? So it's just, in Italian culture, it's just, it's just polite. You're just like, no, 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 I don't want some. Are you sure? No, 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 I don't want some. Really, really takes a no, really, I don't want some. And then they still throw it in front of you, right? So my dad was super hungry, but he didn't understand Canadian culture. He didn't know the table manners of Canada. He learned quickly because he was going to starve otherwise, right? And so... You know, that's, that's this idea of, of, of learning how to live in the real world, in the culture, in the context you live in. And so starting up or training up is preparing for life. And that's the core of wisdom, preparing for life, preparing for responsibility. But I know many of us are thinking, well, this is just for kids. Like, I mean, I've, I'm past, you know, 
bottle feeding or drinking from you know my mother. I'm done that. I'm done table manners. I'm I'm done like my first job. I'm I'm done learning how to when I first learned how to talk to a guy or a girl or whatever. Like you know what? I'm good. I'm I'm good. I'm wise enough. And but the heart of wisdom in 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 the scriptures is this is this lifelong learning endeavor. If there's something I want us to remember about what this is all about, it's, it's really that phrase. I think I put it on the screen. That wisdom is a lifelong learning endeavor. A lifelong learning endeavor. Why? Why not learn everything on day one and then just coast? Why not just learn a few things and then move on and never learn anything else? Why, um, you know, why can't we be you know, done with kind of the, you know, just learning more wisdom because like I'm ready for life I'm ready for all that life has in store and it the the reason is this and it's I think we can see it in the scriptures but we can see it in regular life because life doesn't work like that life doesn't work by just learning one thing or a couple of things and then coasting life is a cumulative growing project cumulative means you add to things slowly slowly Cumulative is like when someone cumulatively invests in a mutual fund. They just put 25 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks a month, but cumulatively they're building something. Life is a cumulative growing project. We continue to grow in wisdom. And God's way of life for us is something we never stop learning about or growing into. Never. You know, Frank and I are, are uh, married 20 years this year. I told you about that already and a couple of times this year because I'm excited. It's 20 years. It's really cool. And tomorrow we're actually going on a, on a trip for our 20th anniversary. So that's another thing. Woo! Yes, yes. Now, uh, a year and a half ago, we had taken a different kind of trip and it was more of a ministry, marriage, enrichment trip. That was like a learning wisdom trip. That wasn't a vacation. It was like six hours a day with a counselor and spending time with someone going underneath the hood, as I talked about a couple of weeks ago, like, you know, how we think and how we interact. And, and I, I, I realized going through that experience last year with Frank, and I think we both realized this, and, and I think for me, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this stuff. Oh my gosh, this is, I've created, I've, I've left a wake of sometimes damage here or there in my relationship because of how I was treating my wife or assuming things in even God's calling in my life or other things, and I realized... Where, where have I lacked this wisdom all my life, the last 20 years? And, and I remember it was so eye-opening, and I realized how grateful I was for that, that I, that I didn't just say, okay, you know what, we're good. You know, God's on our side. We read the scriptures. We're part of a church. We're in ministry. We live in a nice neighborhood. We don't need anything like that. And then you go and you realize, oh, man, I am still being trained up in wisdom for things in life. And I'm so grateful because I don't want the next 20 years to be the same. I want them to be better. I don't want them to be worse. I want them to be better. I don't want them to be status quo. I want them to be better. We want them to be better. So we grow in wisdom. And the scriptures say here in this, this simple proverb that we, would, that we would train people up, or let's flip it to us. We would be trained up in the way we should go. The way is not your way or my way or culture's way or even your parents' way. Because our ways, if we just default to our ways, and we talked about this, do not, that, we're, that wisdom 
is trusting in the Lord with all our heart, not just leaning on our own understanding. It's not that we're dumb or stupid or that we have no, no knowledge. No, that's not the case. It's that we default to our own opinions. And the way that Proverbs 22.6 talks about this is not just your way or my way. It's not even your parents' way because as much as your parents are great, and I think we're great as parents, but I realize that we have faults. And we're some things where we have made mistakes or fall short in, we, our kids experience that. And so it's not even your parents' way, because as much as your parents love you and they are wisdom for you, you know that there's some areas as God is growing you, you realize, oh, I need to grow out of some of the things that my parents naturally passed on to me. I've joked around how, like my mother and my grandfather have given me the the art of worrying, like I know how to worry really well because of them, you know, like I got to unlearn that. That's not something I want. It's not the kind of wisdom I want to keep moving forward with, right? And it's not the world's way. It's God's way because Proverbs reminds us throughout all the Proverbs over and over again, there is a way that is not God's way. And we read it in different words, the wicked way, the adulterous way, the sluggard way. But then we read about God's way. Righteous way, the just way, the generous way, the humble way, the pure way, the wise way. And so as we end the series today, I want us to, I want to share just a few, you know, really quick ideas on what it would mean for us to flip this verse towards us and say, how do we train for wisdom? How do we train for wisdom? How do I and you train for wisdom, train for God's wisdom? How do we become students of wisdom? And some of you might say, well, wait a second. Is that really a worthy pursuit? Should I as a Christian with the Holy Spirit living in me and the gospel that's transformed me pursue and grow in wisdom. And I love this little description of Jesus we find in Luke um, 2 verse 52. He's younger still. And it says this, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This is before he ever started ministering, before he got baptized, before he was known as, you know, this potential Messiah, before he was known as a teacher or someone who taught with authority. I love this phrase describing part of Jesus's life as he's growing. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, or maybe in years, in favor with God and man. And I'm like, if Jesus can grow in wisdom, I can grow in wisdom. If Jesus was pursued a life where he increased in wisdom, I can pursue a life that pursues increase in wisdom. And so is it a worthy pursuit? Yes. Is it, is it do we just leave it to chance? No, even the Apostle Paul, over and over again, we read words like learn Christ or grow up or grow into maturity or become these active words of growth and moving forward. It's all over the New Testament. So here's some practices to help us grow in wisdom, train for wisdom. The first one is this, and it's if we're going to grow in wisdom, if we're going to be trained up in the way of God's wisdom, we must immerse ourselves in wisdom. We must immerse ourselves in wisdom. Last, the last couple of weeks, we've been encouraging each other to memorize Scripture. Like even like Proverbs um, 3, verse 5 and 6 last week. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on, on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. If we could immerse ourselves in that truth and the truth of wisdom, we will grow in wisdom. I'm always amazed by certain people that have... Uh, achieved certain things or, or, or produced certain things. And I, when I look back into their lives, even though I would not model my life after them, I'm, I'm always impressed at how, it, how much they immerse themselves in certain things. You know, with all the, 
you know, differences of opinion of a guy like Elon Musk, you know? You read like he, he grew up devouring science fiction novels and just exploding his innovative mind. And he just, he immersed himself in that. I'm not saying for us to become like Elon Musk, uh, Elon Musk or to revere him in any way. Maybe you, maybe you want a Tesla one day, whatever. But the point is that there was this immersion and it's continual. Think of all the things that someone like uh, Bill Gates has done in the last 10 or 20 years. And when you, when you research a little bit, you're like, oh, he immersed himself in certain ideas and books and things to actually be able to understand these things. Now, again, it's not about him or another person or worldly wisdom. If we want to grow in God's wisdom, we must immerse ourselves in God's wisdom. Here's a couple of verses, and we're going to just sprinkle this message with a few Proverbs here and there. So chapter 1, verse 5, let the wise listen and add to their learning. They're already wise. And the, and the writer says, let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. Why would the wise and discerning go for more wisdom and get guidance? Because they're immersing themselves in wisdom. Chapter 8, verse 34. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily. Look how, how intentional this is. Listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. This idea of constant growth and immersion. Oswald Sanders wrote an incredible book called Spiritual Leadership several years ago. It's a classic on spiritual leadership as a Christian. And he writes this, true leaders know that time spent listening is well invested. The time spent listening is well invested. So immerse ourselves in the wisdom of God. It would be so incredible if each of us, one month out of the year, read through the Proverbs. Be so incredible if we took some of these key verses that we've read the last few weeks and put them to memory and digested them into our hearts. Be so vital if we immersed ourselves in God's wisdom in all of Scripture. So immerse ourselves. That's one. Practice two is this. Get around wise people. Again, you know, last week we talked about how we default to our own opinions. We can just come and say, well, this is what I think, and, and this is what makes me happy, so I'm going to do this. It's so vital. We see the Scripture say this. Get around wise people. I was so encouraged. There's a teenage girl in our church who, who was telling me a couple of months ago how she likes to hang out with her grandmother and spend time with her and listen to her and, and ask her questions and hear the stories. And really what she's doing is she's welcoming wisdom from her grandmother. And that's not often heard of much in our culture, but this is really cool to hear that she craves for some grounded wisdom. And I thought, that's so good that she gets together or around wise people. Listen to what Proverbs says. Proverbs 13.20. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffer harm. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a, a companion of fools suffer harm. Plans fail. Chapter 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. There's this wisdom that is leading us to grow in wisdom if we get around wise people. Here's the next one that ties in with this, this practice of learning from experience, your experience and other people's experience. If you walk through something in life, painful or joyful, successful or catastrophic, how will you walk away from that? And if we're going to grow in wisdom, we're going to train up in this way of God's wisdom. We must learn from our experiences and the experiences of others. 
what came to mind as I was thinking about that this week was a, a youth pastor that um, I served under and with at, at a local church when I was an older teenager, becoming a young adult. And I remember um, there was one, a couple of conversations that, re, that made me understand that this guy, his integrity, he had this resistance to gossip. There was stuff going on around him and there was issues that sometimes were obstacles you know, for his growth and, the, and kind of what he really had a heart for ministry. And I remember that as much as he was, you know, I think trying to be vulnerable and honest with me, I could tell there was this piece of him that resisted to gossip. And that experience, that learning, that time with him reminded me like, there's some wisdom to that. I mean, the scripture says all that, but he's living it and you see it. I can, I can date back a dozen experiences in my dad's life where he didn't have to tell me this. He didn't have to teach me this. He didn't have to write it down for me. But I could look back and say, my dad was resilient to hardship. It was physical hardship, emotional hardship, ministry hardship, cultural hardship. He would, I don't know how to describe it. He didn't have to tell me. He never sat down and said, Dave, let's have a talk about resilience to hardship. Never happened. But I saw it in his life. I was able to learn from his experience. Now, on the negative side, my dad, in all his goodness, tended to be a workaholic and worked like crazy and never stopped. And, uh, and, and that kind of passed on to me. And, and I've had conversations with my mom several times over the years saying, Mom, that, that wasn't great. I mean, I, I love dad. He's good. But I don't want, I don't want to do that. I think, and, and it's hard to talk to your mom and say, I think that was sin. Oh, my gosh. Like, you know? Um, but, it, but it is, right? Because the scriptures call us to Sabbath, call us to trust the Lord, cause us to stop. And that's something that is something I've had to work at in my own life and understand and allow the Lord to work at it, that even my own overworking was damaging to my relationships, and I had to learn from that. And it was hurtful sometimes. In fact, you know, I told you we're going on this trip, and sometimes I have to overcome the emotional baggage of going on a trip. It's like, Dave, just shut up, just do this, you know? Because there's things that you learn that you grow with, but you learn by experience. So learn from our experience, yours and others. The fourth thing I think the scriptures call us to, the wisdom calls us to, is to welcome correction. This is so vital. And I know we hate this word. Nobody likes correction, right? Nobody likes discipline. Sometimes I'm driving with my wife and she'll say, Dave, don't do that. Or Dave, watch the car. Or, Dave, I'm like, Franco, what happens when you're on the car? You think I'm going to die? Right? And, but, 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 but you know... You know why I say that? I say that because inside me, I don't like correction. Inside me, I don't want, it. I don't want her to tell me, be careful, you're doing this wrong, watch this. You know, you're going to hit the car, watch the lead, right? There's this part of me that doesn't want correction, right? Are you, is, are, am I the only bad person in this room with this? And so, so, uh, so this is just, but it, it, this is funny. When I'm sitting with like... Um, Often with couples, you know, it doesn't happen as much just with one person. It happens more with two, and here's why. So whether it's premarital counseling or, or counseling with couples that are already married, and one, one spouse or, or person says something about a difficulty they have with the other person and something that they're doing that's really damaging. And then that person, I can tell, they start to breathe heavier. <laughs> they start to fidget their hands. Sometimes they start to sweat. You know, it's like, why? Because they don't like. Nobody likes to be corrected. Nobody likes discipline. Nobody likes outright knowing that they're doing something wrong or damaging. Look, look what the scripture says. There's so much in Proverbs, and I just chose 
six of them, because there's a lot of them in Proverbs, okay? We'll just read them quickly. Those who disregard discipline despise themselves. But the one who heeds correction gains understanding. For the lack of discipline, they will die, led astray by their own great folly. Whoever disregards discipline comes to poverty and shame, but whoever heeds correction is honored. There's a few more. Okay, this one is pretty obvious. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. (laughs) I love that one. Anyways, so whoever hates correction is stupid. Um, Listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end, you will be counted among the wise. That those who welcome correction, that those who welcome discipline, in the end, will be counted among the wise not the foolish. Remember, there's four targets, target audiences in the book of Proverbs. The wise, who are already wise but still want to grow in wisdom. The foolish, who are naive maybe to this. The arrogant, and those who are completely rejecting wisdom. And Proverbs tries to speak to all of them. But it's amazing that the one who listens to and accepts discipline will be counted among the wise. Why? Correction and instruction are the way to life. I was trying to think of one, one story around this, but I, I thought of really more of a longing in my heart. And it's happened in ministry, in life, in different experiences. And I think through all my experience in ministry and life, what I've appreciated most and what sometimes I felt I lacked the most was just a caring mentor that would actually speak correction into my life. If there's something I feel like I wish I had more of, would have been that. And if there's moments that I felt that coming to me in a way that was so beneficial for me, I, I, hold, I hold on to it. Welcome correction. Welcome correction. Number five, there's only two short ones. And this is so simple. Ask for it. Just ask for it. Here's James. James, this is in the New Testament. James chapter one. You can go to the next slide. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should... Ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I love that. I mean, of course, we can ask others, and wise company is important, and learning from experience is important. But here in the New Testament, one of the New Testament books that highlights wisdom, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Let's ask for wisdom and welcome it. And the last practice to train up in wisdom is this. Live it. We started this series saying that wisdom cannot be a theory. Wisdom cannot just be information. Wisdom cannot just stay in a book. Even if it's your Bible that you're reading and reflecting on, it must translate into life. Last week we said this, right? To, to, to trust in the Lord with all your heart. To submit all your ways to him, right? That's saying, I'm going to live this. I'm not just going to spoon test God's wisdom. Just a little taste. No, no, I'm going to live it fully. And here's what James says as well in, later in, in another chapter in, in the letter. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Well, here's his answer. Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. So who's wise? Who's wise among you? Who's understanding among you? James says, if you are, let them live it. Live it. Don't just talk about it. 
Don't just read it. Don't just absorb it. Show it by your life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. And wisdom often leads us to humility and living it out humility. And here's this last verse from actually back in Proverbs chapter 4. And I love how this kind of wraps this up. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. When we started the series four weeks ago, we said that wisdom is, is growing an understanding, and understanding is thinking through how you will live your life as the Lord leads you and, and guides you and gives you wisdom. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet or your life, and be steadfast in all your ways. In all your ways. And so as we wrap up this series... For sure, we could have taken Proverbs 22.6 and said, hey, let's go up and train people for wisdom. And I, th- I hope and I pray that our church will grow as a community of people with mentors, with wise and loving and caring mentors for one another and for each other and for new followers of Christ and for different age groups. I pray that that happens. And I pray that we will become people and a community that, that learns how to train one another, that learns how to equip one another in wisdom. But here's the truth. We must grow in wisdom first, right? That's, we must grow in wisdom first. So if we want to train up in wisdom, we need to grow in this way. So here's, here's how I end this. I'm going to let you think a little bit about this. And I'm going to ask the, the team to come up because I'd love to end um, just singing and worshiping and rooting ourselves in God's character and hope. But here's the thing. Now on with this. Wisdom and we see it in Proverbs and we see it in the Scriptures. Wisdom is available for you. Wisdom is accessible for you and me. Wisdom is available to us in the Scriptures before us, in the world around us, as the Holy Spirit helps us filter that wisdom, right? As the Scriptures help us filter that wisdom, that's a tool that we have as followers of Christ. Or if you're here today and you're like, well, I'm not really a follower of Christ, but I'd love to grow in wisdom, let me tell you, there is wisdom out there, but God's wisdom is the wisdom, And I don't want to just say that like that, but the scriptures call us to this recognition that the fear of God, the reverence, the awe of God is the beginning of wisdom, is the beginning of knowledge. And I would so encourage you, you really want to grow in wisdom? Start with getting to know God through the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And he will wants to fill you with his love and grace and discernment through the power of his Holy Spirit. You will grow in wisdom. But here's the thing. Wisdom is available, but it's not static. It's not just deposited. It's not just like plop, here's wisdom, take it. You don't just get baptized with wisdom. We know that because we know that there's a gap often in our lives, even if we follow a God who is all wise. We must all grow in wisdom. And I'm okay with that because Jesus increased in wisdom. Jesus, God's very own son, recognized his relationship with the Father He grew in wisdom. I think I can grow in wisdom. I think there's a call to that. And so my question is, will you? Will you? And here's the two questions I leave you with today. I don't know if they're on the screen or not. Maybe I, no, I didn't write them. So here's the questions, okay? I left you with two. We'll post it on on our Facebook page and other things. Here's two questions. Which growth steps will you take this week to grow in wisdom? Is it immersion in wisdom? Is it hanging around wise people? Is it, um, uh, you know, basically welcoming correction and discipline in your life? Is it coming before God and asking, learning from experience? Which growth steps will you take this week to grow in wisdom? Such an important question. 
We can't just leave here today and think we're going to grow in wisdom. What steps will we take? And what, where will we allow the Lord to work in our hearts? And then here's, the, here's how it wraps up. What wisdom have you already acquired? Because I know that God's been working in many of our lives. What wisdom have you already acquired where you, just, you need to trust God to live it, to move into living it, not just knowing it, but living it? Amen? Let's stand and pray. And um, I'm going to say a short prayer, and then the team is going to lead us in the song we started with today because such a joyful, beautiful song about the hope that we have in God, in His Son Jesus, in the work of His Spirit. So I want to end singing that, but I want to pray today. So give you just a moment to reflect on these questions, and I'll lead us in prayer. Bless your name, Jesus. Which growth steps will you take this week to grow in wisdom? Immersing yourself, wise company, learning from experience, welcoming correction, asking God. What wisdom is, have you already acquired or grown in or maybe the Lord's been convicting you of? You need to turn from conviction to life, from conviction to action. Not just spoon testing God's wisdom, but living it. Our Heavenly Father, there is, um, we just hit the tip of the iceberg with wisdom in your word. God, it would take so much longer to really delve into every piece of it. And that just is beautiful because we know that how infinitely wise you are and wonderful you are. And as we explore your greatness and goodness and wisdom, there is just an infinite amount of growth for us. And we say today we long for it. We desire it, God. Lord, you you challenge us in your word to grow in wisdom and we want to become that kind of person, those kind of people, that kind of community. So by the power of your Holy Spirit, give us clarity on some of those steps. And may these last four weeks just be the beginning of a, of a deeper immersion into your wisdom. May it be a beginning into a pursuit of wise company. May it be a beginning to a posture of humility and hunger to welcome correction and discipline in our lives so we can grow in wisdom. May you give us discernment in our experiences and the experiences of others so we can grow in wisdom. And ultimately, like God, we, we just, we end our pray, say, prayer saying, Lord, will you give us wisdom? We ask you for it. And the promise from James chapter 1, verse 5, that as we ask you, you will pour out your wisdom into our lives. And so we are asking God. We are asking because we want you involved in every detail of our lives. We want you involved in our relationships and in our homes and in our finances and in our decisions and in our attitudes and in our character, oh God, and in our careers and in our education. Oh, Lord, and in our our cultural involvement and cultural engagement, God, we long for your wisdom and we long for you to be involved in every detail of our lives. So we say welcome. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.